1: This is the weekend wager with Anita Marks on ninety eight point seven ESPN.
2: Let's be honest; this is a really weird time of year, right? Like, and by the way, we've got uh, Brian and Jacob who are producing the show, gentlemen. Good evening. Good evening. How are you guys doing?
0: Doing good. How about you, Anita?
2: I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. Like I said, don't you guys feel like this is kind of like a weird, a weird, like like no more NFL. Uh, NBA has got a break right now, obviously the all-star break looking forward to the remainder of the season and soon to be the playoffs, you know, we're watching college basketball and now's a good time to really start watching, especially if you're getting in, you're going to be getting into March madness. Like I do, um, I go, I go bonkers when it, when March madness kicks off, but let's be honest. Have I watched any college basketball this season? No. I'm starting to. I mean, like I said, I, I like Richmond tonight um, against VCU. I'm going to start watching baseball. Spoke to Jeff Passan today on my digital show, Bet on ESPN. You know, not sure what's going to happen there with Major League Baseball. He's He doesn't seem too no. sure that anything's going to happen either. It's it doesn't kind of look like,
1: like it's going to start soon at all. So
2: You know, you've, you've got a good golf tournament happen, happening on the left coast. Okay. Daytona 500. It's just like... I, you know it's it's like uh a lot of a lot of a lot of stuff obviously if you're gonna wager on it great right like more interest but like anything that's anything that's screaming to you appointment tv not for me i don't know not for me no not really it's time to find a good show on Netflix or whatever, <laughs> or a- HBO or something like that. Right, I mean, and and I and, and 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 I have uncovered a few things, but I'll 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 shelf that for a second. All right, so let's talk about uh, because we do have uh, Connor Rogers who's going to be joining us uh, in the next ten minutes from Bleacher Report. We'll do a deeper dive into the Giants and the Jets and. Uh, Again, I know this is a gambling show, but since we're on early, I want to still try to make it as entertaining as possible. And we could talk about some of the futures bets out there for uh, not only the Giants, but the Jets, but also uh, what we can expect in this year's draft. Because uh, things are going to start getting heating up, especially as we get closer to the combine. But nonetheless, NBA All-Star Weekend. Uh, Let's do this. Let's start with uh, the three-point shot, the three-point contest. Okay. Uh so where does it start right now? Connard is plus four twenty-five, Patty Mills is five to one, Van Fleet is five to one, Levine five fifty. Dude hasn't played in two weeks. I'm not putting my money on him. Trey Young plus five fifty. Desmond Bain, six to one, McCollum is eight to one, and Towns is eleven to one. There I don't think there's ever been in the history of the NBA a big man who's won the three point contest. So I'm staying away from him. I'm staying away from uh Zach Levine because he hasn't played. Canard uh, obviously is the favorite at plus 425. I like that, but here's my play. My play is Desmond Bain, and here's why: ninth in the NBA in uh, in three point shooting, he's got he's got you know the ninth uh, most three point shots made this season in the NBA. He's first in three point percentage, three point shooting percentage. He's first. He's 43 percent. His last eight games, 43 percent, he's 40 percent shooting three-pointers from every spot on the court that he's going to be launching those suckers tomorrow. And he's 40, and he's, sorry, and he's 72 percent on handoff threes this season. 72 percent. And really what, what got me was and why I like him, not only just because of the odds, but at, at, uh, at six to one but he's got the quickest release of, of all eight dudes who are going to be participating in the 3 point contest. He's got the quickest release. So what does that mean? He's going to get more shots off. And the more shots you get off, obviously the better chance you have of winning. Ever since uh, Dylan Brooks went down, dude has just been money. And I just uh, so anyway, so that's where so the majority of my money flow, I'm going to put I'm going to put a, a nice chunk of change on Bain. I'll put a little bit on Kinnard. Those are the two guys that I'm eyeing in the three-point contest. If you've got a play in it, I'd love to hear from you. eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven zero. 919 3770 Also, then you've got the slam dunk contest tomorrow. So where am I riding there? Um, so, and uh, those odds, by the way, a number of those odds are up on, aren't, aren't necessarily up on all the sites. I want to call, I want to see what the, the latest... Odds are, but, you know, here here's the thing. I don't know, like, I don't know how far back you go in regard to, like, how long you've been watching, you know, the NBA and, and whatnot, but I just, I really, I miss, I miss when the slam dunk contest was a thing. Like, it was, it was, one of the most it was one of the most important uh things to participate in 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 the Nba and i, I just I, I don't feel I don't feel that it is anymore unfortunately like i remember when like the best of the best of the best wanted to compete with one another in the slam dunk contest and I just don't feel we get it anymore but uh, regardless, uh, this is this is who I'm rolling with. Uh, Jalen Green is favored, and for good reason. and But you can still get him at plus 125. Okay? Uh, if you don't know who he is, number two overall in this year's draft. And you might not know who he is because he plays for Houston. Houston is just god-awful. So who's really watching Houston unless you've got money on the game? I get it. But also... He played in the G League, so he didn't play in college, so he didn't really, wasn't able to like create a name for himself or a fan base for himself out of college. But let me tell you something. This cat is unbelievably athletic. He is, hands down, the most athletic guy uh, that's going to suit up and play and compete in that slam dunk contest tomorrow night. That's for sure. Um, his highlight reel this season alone in regard to the dunks that he's made in the NBA are ridiculous, and in talking to the media, he said he's been dreaming of this night, tomorrow night, since he was a young pup. Like this is this is this is what he's been, you know. And, and not to not to say that this is more important than playing in the NBA, but it, it just he va- he's going that like he's going to value tomorrow night probably more than the average bear and he, i I do believe everything I'm hearing and I'm reading is that he's got he's got some really creative at this point in the, it, at this point in the game it's kind of like anita, it's the dunk contest. What haven't we seen? okay, but you know maybe he's going to bring something we haven't yet, so I'm really excited to see what uh what what Green is going to do again. I'm going chalk here, but for all the reasons that i just I just explained to you and you get him at plus one twenty five also, I I am going to put some money on the long shot, and that's Cole Anthony. Of course, he's Greg Anthony's son. Now, the judges might have a little bias here because a number of them played with Greg. Keep that in mind. But also, what I like about Cole Anthony is that his personality is just so infectious. He's got a million-dollar smile, and also, he will be the smallest guy on the court tomorrow night participating in the slam dunk contest. And the fan participation and the fan base and how much they cheer definitely, I believe, is going to come into play, especially with the judges. So uh, I'm going to put a, a nice chunk of change on Green to win the slam dunk contest, and I'm going to put a little bit of coin on Cole Anthony, because, again, I do believe that he's going to be a fan favorite. Eight hundred nine Let's go to your calls. Let's go to Doug out in Long Island. Doug, welcome in. Good evening. How you doing?
3: Hey, Superstar. How are you?
2: I'm great. Welcome in.
3: Good, good. Yeah, down on COVID a little bit. Got a Collapsed lung is a kind of a...
2: Oh, no, you know, Doug. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, That's yeah, horrible. Yeah, I'm okay.
3: Listen, I'm alive. I lost a lot of friends, so this is great. I haven't called in probably a month and a half or anything. But, um, yeah, I, I get you on Green. I've watched him for a while and, and know some people that are in his family. And this kid, he's like a Space Jam character. You know, he's really a flyer. And I'm going to say one other thing. I, I'm really... I mean, obviously... I've always been a Knicks fan before my brother was there, after, and it's just this collapse is kind of disturbing. But I'm gonna tell you one thing before I make my final comment, if you allow me, is that, that even though they weren't great offensive players, I mean Bullock could shoot the ball, but they are really missing those pieces of the puzzle defensively without from Payton and Bullock on the perimeter. You know what? You, you know what, Doug? Stop. You couldn't stop. You the know-
2: you know what, Doug, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day. I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. I think they're I think they're missing Derrick Rose. I, they they just they they blew that game against the Nets um because they have nobody who's just they don't have a point guard out there that it's just going, you know, from, you know, end to end and taking it to the rim, taking the hit, being physical in the paint and getting to the foul line.
3: Yep. You know, you know good, who, who looks at us because the New York guy, but obviously his team stepped in gold. I mean, Billy Donovan and I are close. We played at St. Agnes together. But he said, just what you said. He said, they're missing roles, man. Yeah, I'm telling you that. Yep. And they're missing roles. And then my final thought is this. Can you imagine? Uh, my son, was a player at Montverde, um, and he, he, just, he was on the phone with my brother in Magic years ago. And I was upstairs at my ex-wife's house, and he says, uh, I'm on the phone with Uncle Steve and Magic. They're, they're watching John Moran play. I, I get the phone. Uh, you know, they're on, on the phone together. And I say, hey, Magic, how are you? And then I said, Steve, what's up? He said, let me tell you something. If this guy is available, if we get the number one pick, I'm taking him. I'll probably get crucified in New York for not taking Zion. But this guy will mean the world to a franchise. And look at him carry that team. His energy, his skill level, his heart. He made for New York. <laughs> I don't care if they get him when he's old. You know, he's
2: made That a little more Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Doug. We, we lost you. Bad connection there, but... Uh, so appreciate you calling into the show and, uh, sorry that, uh, you had a bad bout with, uh, with COVID, but it's always good to hear your voice. God bless. All right. Quick break. We come back. We'll switch gears. Uh, Connor Rogers is going to join us on the program. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to him. He's from Bleacher Report. Uh, get his thoughts in regard to the new regime for the Giants. What can we really realistically expect from them next season? And more importantly, he loves the draft almost as much, if not more, than I do so uh, we'll talk about the Giants with the fifth and the seventh pick and what he anticipates them to do and then keep in mind uh you know the lines aren't out right now but eventually you will be able to wager on the draft so stay tuned for that Connor Rogers next without further ado Connor Rogers joins us now from Bleacher Report hi it's been a minute how you doing
1: hey Anita how are you always good to catch up with you
2: yeah, always good to talk to you as well. Um talking a lot of NBA on the show tonight getting everybody ready for the All-Star break and and how to how to wager there, but also wanted to weave in no pun intended, um you know, some NFL talk and and I know we we haven't spoken in quite a while, so I wanted to get you on. First things first, you know, your your thoughts with the new regime, the new start for the Giants in regard to the front office, coaching staff, all that. What what are your thoughts, Connor?
1: Well, I like it a lot. I think they've built a really you know, good veteran coaching staff across the board. I love some of the most recent news in them hiring Wink Martindale as their defensive coordinator. I think this will be a Giants team that looks uh, much more prepared on Sundays this year. But let's start at the very baseline of this, Anita, and that is bringing Joe Shane over from the Bills. The Giants, for their problems you know, in game management and everything across the board – It's been deeper than that. They've had a roster problem as well. And you look at what the Bills have built up there, and and I think this is going to be the blueprint for the Giants going forward now with Joe Shane and Brian Dable. They are going to build up the foundation in the trenches. They are going to get this offensive line right. And you've heard it from ownership. They've said they've they've failed Daniel Jones. They want to give him a chance. They feel like they have not built a, a good enough foundation in front of Saquon Barkley. They want to give him a chance as well and the pass rush needs to get better as well, although they'll be bringing a lot of pressure with Link Martindale and put more pressure on their cornerback position. So I like the construction of this group. I think it's going to take a little while. I think when you look at how the Bills were built, there was patience up there. There was development across the board, not just at quarterback with Josh Allen, but development at multiple positions and a lot of good under-the-radar free agency signings. I think the Giants have been burned by coming out and, you know, swinging and missing at some of those tier one free agents. While you look at the Bills, they've done a good job at attacking wave two, wave three of free agency and building out and rounding out a team. So I like the direction they're going in much more with this group rather than Joe judge and Dick Elman. And I'm glad that they aligned them, you know, started over all at once instead.
2: Yeah. I I've, I've said that time and time again, I just, you know, I just don't understand teams who don't do that. Right. Like, your Your general manager and your head coach they need to be like a tandem uh lock and step and have the same philosophy, the same understanding go out like it's really going to be interesting. I know you and I are going to start talking about the draft in just a second, but it's really going to be interesting to see what happens after the draft that's typically when teams do uh, fire let go of you know the the current staff when a new regime comes in and they want to bring their 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 own scouting guys in uh you know but you don't want to do it right now because this is a team getting ready for the draft so that's going to be interesting to see how they handle that um but you mentioned wink martindale and uh and here here's here's what my concern is in regards to the defense and how aggressive i mean the ravens last year was the the most uh highest blitz rate team in the nfl and you know he he likes to blitz corners he likes to blitz dbs i just don't know like how cap strapped this team is and the cuts they're going to have to make. I just, you know, like Bradbury, for example, like, how are you, how, you know, how are you going to play a re- with a, a really aggressive style of defense where you're blitzing, you know, 50% of the time, but yet you don't have the corners to match up? to make sure that your your lineman can get to the quarterback. What are, what are your thoughts in regard to this roster and how that will correlate in regard to the defense we know Wink likes to play?
1: I think that's a great point, Anita. I think that's the golden question here, and that's why I think there needs to be patience preached throughout this process because right now they are in such a unique situation from the problems the former regime created that as much as I know fans will want to react negatively when things are not great at times this year, but the new regime is going to deal with handicaps from that former regime. Like you said, the salary, the salaries of the roster, uh, the lack of talent in key areas for the new staff. And that's what is going to do. And you saw it with Baltimore last year when players like Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters got hurt on the outside and they still want to play that cover zero kind of defense where they are going to bring pressure Mm -hmm. and quarterbacks are going to identify that they got to get the ball out and identify key one-on-one matchups and they're going to you know have a favorable matchup against corners it's hard to play pass defense in this league as it is you need really really good corners it sounds like from everything going around that James Bradbury is is a candidate to be Uh, maybe cut, restructured, or traded. And that's tough because he's been one of their best players at what is now a premium position to this football team. And it makes you wonder, and I know Giants fans did not like hearing this when I brought it up earlier in the week, but are they going to be a team in the top ten looking to, or maybe they trade out, are they going to look in the first round to take one of these very talented corners, whether it's Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati, Derek Stingley from LSU, uh, Trent McDuffie from Washington. This is a very good corner class at the top. And the Giants, fortunately, do have two first-rounders where if you do take one of those corners, which, once again, it didn't sound like Giants fans are a fan of that, but it's what their defense will need, you know, not just for this year but for the next half a decade, you can still address the offensive line with the other selection. So I am fascinated to see what their year-one strategy truly is because what they want to do on defense, they are not built to do at this moment. Now, they can get there with two off seasons, but I think it's going to be really tough to do all in one offseason because of the salary cap constraints they're dealing with.
2: Connor Rogers joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, before we do dive into the draft, I want to, I want your thoughts on Daniel Jones. Uh, we heard that the Giants are committed to see what he can do this year, but let's be honest, uh, he has to learn a whole new system, and it's going to be a much different system if if it's anything similar to what we see Josh Allen play in, in Buffalo I think the Giants should pick up his fifth-year option. It will cost him $20 million. And as the cap space continues to go up, I think that's going to be a bargain. I'm curious what your thoughts are on Daniel Jones. Um, Are you writing him off already? And if the Giants are going to give him a shot, um, is it fair to just give him one year?
1: Well, I think this is the right move because this is not a good quarterback class. And as much as you are equipped with the two top ten picks, to essentially have your pick of this quarterback class where the Giants are sitting. They will have their first choice if they really wanted to take one. But this is just not the year to do it in my eyes. So I understand. I would rather run it back with Daniel Jones. And if you're a new regime, this is how you have to think. You run it back with Daniel Jones. You see if you can get more out of him, which with Jason Garrett no longer there and assumingly, a better offensive line and hopefully some injury luck back on their side. I'm looking at Kenny Galladay, looking at Saquon Barkley, then things should be better. Now the question is how much better, because for Daniel Jones to be the guy of the future, it has to be drastically better, not just a little bit better. But like you said, Anita, this is the right decision now because it's so cost-effective. There's really no risk with running it back with Daniel Jones ignoring a quarterback class where it doesn't look like there's a lot of answers and the worst case scenario you're in Daniel Jones does not take that step. And you're looking at 2023, which in my eyes has a couple of potential franchise quarterbacks, or you look at 2023 and maybe you get really aggressive on the veteran trade market. We know every single year there's a guy or two that wants out that can be had this year. You're hearing it across the board. It's not just Aaron Rodgers who will probably stay. You hear it with Russell Wilson. You hear it, obviously, Jimmy G's going to be moving somewhere, and maybe even a Kirk Cousins. These kinds of things come up every single year. So for the Giants right now, see what you have in Daniel Jones. Let the new offensive staff work with him, with better players around him. And if it doesn't work out, then you kick the can down the road and see what you can do next offseason. Nobody's going to be fired if it doesn't work out with him.
2: All right, let's let's take a look at the draft before we let you go because you and I are are so <laughs> so knee deep into the draft. We love it more than the average bear, that's for sure. Uh, you know, never in the history of the of of, of the Giants organization has uh, an organization has had two top picks. This organization has had two top picks in the top seven. With that being said, we know. Big sore thumb for them is their offensive line. Also, they really don't generate a lot of pass rush, especially now with Wink Martindale. You're going to want an edge rusher. There are five solid, in my opinion, offensive slash defensive linemen that if the Giants walk away with two of these five, God bless. I mean, that's a win-win. Of course, we're talking about Hutchinson. I do believe that he'll go first, of course, to Jacksonville. Neal, Iquanu, uh, Thibodeau and cross right now in, in order for, so as we know with the five, the Giants will get one of these guys. Okay. For, for a, another one of these guys to fall to them at seven, a team is going to have to draft, let's say pick it or Willis is getting a lot of love right now from Liberty. Or Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame. So I'm curious, how do you think, What, what? first of all, what are your thoughts in regards to the linemen I just mentioned? Question number one, two-part question. And number two is, what do you think the likeliness is, is that the Giants will walk away with two of these top five guys?
1: Well, that would be a slam dunk. So let's start with the beginning of it, right? They are in a can't-lose position at five because somebody – the cream of the crop is going to be there at the strap. It doesn't matter how things go. And and I agree with you. Hutchinson's going to be gone. I think the Lions take him at two if Jacksonville opts to take one of the top tackles first overall, which I think they will. So then you break down the board. The Texans are a total wild card. I think they're in play for Kyle Hamilton, which would help out the Giants and and one of those other players falling down to them. And then with the Jets, it seems pretty simple to me at four, where they'll take either, you know, Equanu if he's there or Thibodeau if he falls. And the Giants pretty much take, Whoever does, whoever the Jets don't in that spot. They take Pivotal or they take Equanu. You help either side of your trenches. So it, this draft is built on, in my eyes, are the big three at offensive tackle, right? That's the that's what everybody should have their eyes on. There's a big three. You have Evan Neal from Alabama, who
3: mm-hmm.
1: played left tackle this year, right tackle the year before, and guard the year before that. So versatility is really what he has, and he's big, athletic, checks every box. Equanu, left tackle from NC State. I think he can play inside as well he'd be a home-run pick for the Giants. And then you look at Charles Cross, two-year starter at left tackle from Mississippi State, He's in the big three as well. I think if the Giants missed out on Equanu and Neal, and they opted to take Cross, Cross would play left tackle, Andrew Thomas would play on the right side, a position he was familiar with in college. So the Giants are set there. They're going to get one of those big three tackles if they want one. Now your question, looking at where they pick after that at five, if none of those guys are there that they want as, out of the pass rushers or offensive linemen, maybe you can get out of the seventh pick, knowing that you have Denver at nine, Washington at eleven. Maybe seven is where somebody comes up for a Malik Willis or a Kenny Pickett. Maybe the return isn't as great, but if you moved out of seven and you're only going back to you know somewhere in the top fifteen kind of area, you can still address pass rusher corner. You can get George Karloftis. You know you can get and Jermaine Johnson from Florida State. You can get one of the corners in Derek Stingley or Sauce Gardner while acquiring more draft capital, which is just huge for a team that has so many holes, and the Bills are well aware of this. They were one of the trade-happy teams you know, of the draft overall. So, once again, the Giants are just in a can't-lose position. I think they're going to be in a – I think to answer your question at the end there, I do think Neil Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Equanu and he, and they all go in the top five. I think Cross is the guy that falls, so the Giants can get risky and take a pass rusher at five, and I think Cross would be there at seven. I think that's their most ideal plan to solving each side uh, to addressing each side of the trenches.
2: Oh my gosh! If they walk away with Thibodeau and Cross, ah oh, ah, oh. unbelievable. Uh, the game last changer. thing,
0: changes. Oh everything my gosh! Oh yes.
2: I now. mean, just that's that's like you know, let's have a parade right? Like, like screw the Rams parade. Let's have a parade. <laughs> um, with that being said, last question for you really quick and get on to your, uh, your Friday night, your weekend. And that is, uh, in regard to the, the jets, um, you know what, they've got a lot of draft capital. They've got a lot of salary cap space. How active and attractive do you think they're going to be in free agency? And, uh, and, and who do you think they eye in the draft?
1: Yeah, they're going to spend a lot of money this year. I think that much – they know they have to win now. It just hasn't gone right yet for Joe Douglas, although you know, they, the clock isn't ticking on him or anything like that. He just knows this is the year you got to get it right. you got to give Robert Sala a chance. So they're going to come out and spend a lot of money in free agency. I think they will address the, the dire need they have at safety in free agency so they don't have to reach at that position in the draft, and they kind of keep the door open for themselves when they're picking twice in the top ten. When you look at the draft for them, it seems like the most logical conclusion with the fourth overall pick is if Thibodeau falls, you could take him. If Aquan is there, you probably take him and shore up your offensive line for Zach Wilson for the long term. And then at 10, you have a little bit more of a wild card, but this is a team even after paying Corey Davis, after drafting Elijah Moore. Braxton Berrios will probably test the free agency market. I think they could be back at the wide receiver market again in this draft at 10, and that's going to be Traylon Burks, Arkansas, Garrett Wilson from Ohio State, who's a, a really ideal fit in their scheme with his ability to separate. Uh, he reminds me of Calvin Ridley, who's going to be available on the trade market this year. And then Drake London, a, a contested catch threat from USC. So for the Jets, I think the three things to keep an eye on with them at the top of the draft is pass rusher, offensive line. Once again, we know they're always going to you know build that until it's done and getting a playmaker at wide receiver
2: great stuff is always uh, connor why don't you let the folks know out there uh, exactly where they could find you your podcast all that good stuff
1: yeah for sure everything at bleacher report uh for the draft uh lead the nfl draft analyst for bleacher report at connor j rogers on twitter and, and the podcast on pro football focus is nfl stock exchange I mean, you know always great to talk to you especially during the offseason thanks so much for having me on
2: you got it you're the best really do appreciate it uh connor rogers joining us here on 98.70 spn <laughs> welcome back anita marks with you an early edition of weekend wager here on 98.70 spn brought to you by BetMGM sports enough talk believe in your game believe in your bet BetMGM sports uh with that being said let's bring in steve Verda rosa i haven't uh heard from steve in a hot second so it's great always great to have you on the show hi steve how you doing
0: I'm doing great.
2: how are you i'm I'm doing hey, really well. I'm going? doing really I, I i thought I thought this week things would settle down for me uh, after the Super Bowl. That wasn't the case. It's all good. I'm not complaining. work is work. Um, looks like uh, the Giants have been at work and, and again, really quick, i for folks out there who don't know, Steve Verderosa uh, worked for the Giants for uh, for thirty years. Uh, in their scouting department, so really excited to get him on the show. Uh, knows this organization inside and out, that's for sure. So, and and wanted to take some time tonight to talk about the Giants. So, uh, first and foremost, uh, your thoughts on the the, the changes? Uh, of course, the new GM, new head coach, and Brian Dable. They're in the process of putting their coaching staff together. Um, this new look Giants front office, as well as uh, coaching staff. What are your thoughts, Steve?
0: Listen, now I'm I'm out there. I'm I'm away from the club for two years now, so I'm just a fan, and like everybody else in the New York metropolitan area. I am just uh, hoping for the best. Um, Don't really know Coach Dable. Met him only once uh, the year that he was at uh, University of Alabama, um, and uh, I really enjoyed talking to him about the players that year. Uh, Brief conversation. Uh, I know the new general manager a little bit used to see Joe on the road uh, from time to time. And uh, I'm wishing those guys nothing but great success. So uh, but lots of changes. Uh, A lot of the other people that they brought in, I really don't know. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they can get all those moving parts uh, together, going in the right direction um, as soon as possible.
2: So, Steve, you were a big part of uh, the Giants drafting uh, Daniel Jones. That's for sure. And it sounds like the organization is committed to see what he can do this season in Brian Dable's system. Um, Even, you know, and I give credit where credit's due in respect to John Mara. I mean, he literally came out and told uh, in his media press conference and said, we've done everything we could to screw this kid up, so we're going to try to get it right. So with that being said, one would assume that they are all in on Daniel Jones this season. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he's able to perform in Dable's system because, as you know better than anyone else, uh, his athleticism and what Dable is going to be able to do with him. So it, your, your thoughts on, uh, on the 2022-2023 through 2023 version of, uh, of Daniel Jones this coming season.
0: Well, you and I have had this conversation before, and you know that I'm a fan of his. Um, look, he has he has the skill set to be an elite player at the position in the NFL. He's big. He's strong. He's extremely athletic. Um, he throws a really nice deep ball. Um, what's not to like? Unfortunately, um, he's incurred a couple of injuries the last couple of years, and he's missed some playing time and he's gone through from from Duke University to the Giants four different offenses and offensive coordinators in a very short period of time. It's kind of hard to have a lot of success when you have all those changes around you. Uh, Needless to say, the receiver position, Shep's been hurt a couple of times. Uh, Saquon's been out. Um, He hasn't had the pieces around him. It's hard to do it by yourself. Um, I'm really excited to see Daniel flourish in this offense, if, um, if that can happen. Um, hopefully, for New York fans and everybody else it can happen right away. Uh, Daniel's very smart. He, he's very competitive. He's driven. Um, why can't he succeed? Um, it just hasn't been an optimum situation for him up to this point. Hopefully, that can change. In Again, Steve Verderosa,
2: Steve Verderosa, uh, NFL scout, was with the Giants for several years. Here, joining us on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, you know, I, I I expect the Giants to pick up Daniel Jones's uh, fifth year option. Uh, you know, it, it's it's twenty million dollars uh, in twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four, and with the way that the cap is is headed, um, I think that's a bargain. I think that's a bargain. Uh, and 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 on and number two is, you know, is it, you just said, like, you know, Dable will be his fourth different head coach slash offensive coordinator, right? Like, system that he'll be working with, uh, even, you know, you, you you include his time at Duke. Is it really fair to expect that you're going to see, potentially, from a player in, you know, his first year in a new system after after having to learn four in the last five years, I don't think that's 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 very realistic. So I do expect the Giants to pick up the fifth-year option. I think it would be very wise, but there are people out there who feel differently. Uh, if you were the general manager, would you pick up the fifth-year option, Steve?
0: <laughs> well, again, you've asked me this question before, and I have a little bit of a biased attitude. Like I said, uh, I think he's a, going to be a very fine player. He's just had a little bit of some bumps in the road. You know, Giants fans will remember when Phil Sims got to the Giants in 1979, a million years ago. He had a really rough start. And then Bill Parcells decided to go with Scott Bruner over Phil Sims. And the rest is history. Phil became a great player. I think Daniel has a chance to be a great player, but he can't do it by himself. And when you say pick up the fifth-year option, where are you going to get another quarterback? They're so hard to find. They're so hard to get the right guy. I think you got to do everything you can with this young man to give him a chance to succeed. And up to this point, I I don't really feel that that's been the case.
2: You know, uh, when, um, when, when Joe Shane took over in his press conference, he was very honest in regard to how, how salary cap strapped this team and this organization is. How difficult is it, Steve, to rework deals, renegotiate deals so that you can get some wiggle room, so that you can get yourself some, some cap space, so you can go out and improve the offensive line or get Daniel some more weapons or, you know, whatever the case may be. Like, how hard is it to, um, you know, make, redo those contracts uh, or maybe even cut players that you might not want to? Like, you know, I'm hearing that Bradbury might have to be cut because of the salary cap issue.
0: Well, again, that's a situation where there's, there's people involved. The player and the agent have to be willing to do that. Um, players work all their lives to get to a certain point, and then they get that big contract. But, you know They don't want to give that up, and you can understand that. But it is a team sport, and you need all these players to compete on Sunday, and it's really hard if you have a lot of money, allocated to a player or one part of your offense or defense and you can't spread it around. That's why writing these contracts is is paramount and point important to have a long range view down the road, but it's again, coaches want to win. Now they want the players. Now fans want you to win now, but you can't put your team together just in one year. So um, it's a really tough situation. Um, You got to make some hard calls. Um, but the other part of that too is it's say easy to hey let's get rid of James Bradbury, but you got to replace talent with talent. So you get rid of a starting corner who's one of the top ten corners in the National Football League. Where are you going to get another guy? You just can't have everybody on a rookie deal.
2: Um, uh, let's talk about something that's uh, that's more you know right in your wheelhouse, and that is this year's draft. Right, like. Is it is it fair to, to to assume that the Giants have never been in a position where they have two picks in the top seven? Um, I don't know how many times in the history of the NFL that a team has had that that ability. So I guess first things first. I mean, this is going to be a big debate as that's we get as closer, I was there, that's
0: for sure.
2: right? Um, and um, you know, this is going to be a huge debate, and that is you know what should the giants do with those two picks you know it's 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 two you know you're you're talking about two premier players um that you'll be able to draft in the top 7 some people think that one of those draft picks should be packaged up and in and traded so you can accumulate more draft picks but uh, let's take a look at it the top of the board in regard to players that are expected to go and i'm curious to get your thoughts you know um You know, what what would you what would you do as a general manager with the five in this in the seven pick, knowing knowing that the Giants need help on both the offense and the defensive line? And knowing that there's a lot of really great, excellent players coming out specifically edge rushers as well as tackles in the NFL. Like I I personally feel that this is the perfect storm um, for the Giants in regard to the draft picks they have and where the quality of talent is coming out this season. So I guess first and foremost, your thoughts on having the 5 and 7 and looking at the board and seeing who's going to be available uh, in the top 10.
0: Well, I can just tell you from sitting in that room for, well, I was in a room for 33 years. Um, as, as a scout and the personnel guys, if you have those those draft choices, you want to use those draft choices yourself. You put all that time and effort to put that board together and you have your players rated. You're not thinking about the money and the contracts. That's for the GM, the assistant GM, and the capologist and those guys to do. But the coach is sitting in there. He wants the best players he can get. You as the scout that have evaluated those guys, if you have a chance to get two premier players, you'd want to get those players. Now, can you make that work? Does somebody give you an offer that you can't refuse? Um, You know, the Giants are in this position this year because Chicago wanted to trade up, move up, and the Giants were able to move back and then get draft capital based on moving that position like they did. So if the scenario comes like that again and, and Joe Shane thinks that that's the best thing for the club, I'm sure that they will do that based on all the information that they have. There's three offensive tackles. That I, I really like, and, and that last fall when I did a little bit of a tour in the SEC, uh, I, I sat in Texas A&M all week and watched tape. That big guy at Alabama, he's pretty darn good. And there's a uh, that that's that would be Evan Neal. And I'm reading that he, you know it's possible that he's the very first pick in the draft. But there's another tackle that at Mississippi State, Charles Cross. I watched him against some pretty darn good defensive lineman in the sec and he is a premier pass protector he's really good but the guy that i really like is uh, a young man at nc state right in my backyard here Akeem equano Uh, he plays left tackle for nc state and he is a throwback road grader this guy i mean he punishes college football players if people want to watch and they can go on and and see the Clemson game, Uh, I mean, he he hurt people. Uh, This kid here, uh, he could play tackle. He could play guard. He he has the ability to play multiple positions. I I think the Giants, and and I was very happy to be part of the organization when we drafted Andrew Thomas. I I know we had a rough start, but I thought he played really well last year, and the kid played on on an ankle that I I hear is – You know, he's had another surgery on the ankle. So, um, to play the way he did at less than 100%, you put this kid next to Andrew Thomas, you got a great left side. What does that do for your quarterback that we talked about, Daniel Jones? What does that do for Saquon? What does that do for the young receiving core? Um, There's three offensive linemen right there that, to me, are plug-and-play guys that uh, would, would upgrade the New York football giants right away. Um, so you know, there's pass rushers there too. The one thing I've looked at the Giants the last couple of years—they've been—they've been competitive on defense, um, and in some games, uh, done a really nice job. But who really scares you? You know, they—they they don't have a pass rusher that that scares people. Do they ha- Do they have a linebacker that is the kind of people that people game plan against? You know, there's there's players out there. That that Devin Lloyd wears number zero for Utah. He's unbelievable. Big, strong, nasty, fast. Got a lot of things. There's a defensive lineman at Purdue, George uh, Carlapis. Blue collar, good guy. All he does is line up and play for four years. I think he's a junior. He might be less than that. Um, but another quality kid, you know. And then the two at the top of the draft that everybody's talking about, Aiden Hutchinson from uh, Michigan, uh, that guy's motor runs white hot all the time, and the kid out in uh, Oregon, Yvonne Thibodeau. You watch tape on him. he's He's got some unique uh, athletic skills that very few people possess. Um, the thing with him is, you know, is his motor going to run uh, – white hot like, like the other guys do. And that that could be a question that, that that has to be answered in the next couple of months. So There's you, you of- just
2: listed uh, again, Steve Verderosa joining us here on 98.70 ESPN uh, scout extraordinaire, I'll call you. So you just listed one, two, three, four, you just listed five, let's say combined phenomenal offensive linemen slash defensive linemen. We were talking about the Giants having uh, the fifth and the seventh pick. In order for Two of these guys to fall to the Giants, or I should say, really one of these. Okay, one of these guys for the other guy to fall to the Giants at seven. A team's going to have to maybe make it take a chance on. I don't know, maybe you know Hamilton, the the safety from Notre Dame, Uh, Gardner, the cornerback, uh, or you know uh, maybe maybe Kenny Pickett. A lot of people talking about Kenny Pickett, the Pittsburgh quarterback. Do you see that happening? Also, the, the Willis, the quarterback from Liberty, is getting a lot of buzz right now. Would, is that something Giants fans could could possibly uh, hang their hat on and, and consider that maybe a team will go out there and take a safety, take a corner, maybe take a quarterback um, at least once or twice in the in the top six, so that two of these linemen can fall to the Giants. You
0: know, quarterback is always the wild card because there's not there's not enough of them. I've said it many times. I think most of them get overdrafted, uh, taken much too high where they should be taken. Um, so they're always the wild card. So you'd never say never, but that can't happen. Um, I don't think there's a quarterback in this group. To me, that's that's a surefire top pick. I really like the young man at, at uh, UNC Chapel Hill, Sam Howell. He did not play as well this year as he's played in the past. And part of that is, um, his supporting cast this year was, um, was really depleted because a bunch of guys got drafted into the NFL the year prior, and they changed their offensive scheme quite a bit um, from what he played his first two years. So um, I really like Sam a lot to me. Uh, is he a top-ten pick? Um, that'd be for the other people to, to answer that question.
2: Great stuff as always, Steve. I always appreciate when you're on. Uh, hope to have you on more frequently. As uh, now the NFL season is over, it's time to focus on, you know, obviously free agency and, and, and getting ready for the draft. And nobody nobody talks draft speak better than you. That's for sure. So we so appreciate it. Thank, I really thank,
0: that.
2: thank you so much, Steve. Appreciate you. All
0: right. Well, listen. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you when I do.
2: You got it. Again, Steve Roderosa uh, scout extraordinaire uh, in, in the NFL for several years, and, and many, many of them, of course, with your New York football giant. <laughs> Without further ado, uh, David Behrman joins us here on 98.7 ESPN. I like to call him the gatekeeper of all things gambling at ESPN. David, good evening, good evening. How you doing?
4: Good, how are you? I'm happy to not be on the graveyard shift tonight. Go on a little early, talk to New York a little early on a Friday night. I like it
2: yes we uh, we have the uh, NBA rising stars game that is following us in about uh, 10 minutes so uh, by the way just want to give an update uh horrible pick here uh, when the show opened up I told folks jump on Richmond at plus three and the money line uh they're uh, they're down they're losing 70 to 49 to Vcu so obviously uh, not not my best moment when I opened up
4: the show so hey, hopefully whether they whether they miss whether they miss covering by a point or thirty, it's
2: still an L. So I don't feel too bad. There we go. Uh, so hopefully, let, let <laughs> let's uh, let's <laughs> let's help the people win some money as opposed to lose. Uh, that's what uh, that's why we're supposed to be on the air right now. So uh, so let's talk about one thing I haven't talked about yet. I talked about the NBA. Talked about NFL. Uh, have not talked about golf yet. The Genesis Invitational taking place, and uh, right now you've got uh, you got Neiman who's just, uh, just he's been blistering, shot eight under today, he's 16 under, uh, heading into the weekend, right behind him is Young at 14 under, Justin Thomas at 11, Adam Scott at 9 with Spieth, Morikawa, Cameron Smith, Hovland, look at this leaderboard, oh my gosh, former champion Max Homa is at tied for 10th, he's 6 under as well, but he's 10 shots back, uh, my uh, algorithm that I'm looking at right now, and it's not mine, it's, it's the one online, has Neiman as a 54% chance of winning this damn thing. And uh, with that being said, uh, let me call up, I want to confirm that w- what odds I have on him right now, and that is at plus 110. So with that being said, is it, is, is it worth putting money on him right now at plus 110, or do you find value in other places?
0: Well,
4: what's surprising, the first part, Anita, is that like the Sony Open broke out here at the Genesis Invitational. This is a tournament that has a really tough course, Riviera Country Club, that normally the, the winning scores are in the 8, 9, 10 range. We're not used to seeing minus 16 on, on cut day. Well, if you look at Neiman and Cameron Young, they went 8-under and 9-under today. Even Justin Thomas shot 7-under. We're not used to seeing that at this course. This is the course that usually resets the field after all the birdie fest in the first couple of months of the season out in Hawaii and, and a couple of the other tracks. And, and I'm actually quite surprised. And I think uh, back to your original question about putting money down on Newman at plus 110, I mean, the, the, the guys had two outstanding days going 800 both days. He keeps that up, then yeah, that's good money. But, you know, I think what happened late on Friday was, you know, Justin Thomas. 4-under in the last 8 holes with Eagle on 11 and back-to-back birdies on 16 and 17. Those, that 4-under that over 8-hole stretch basically said, wait a minute, this is not a two-horse race between Neiman and Young. Don't forget about me because you a know, 5-shot lead over the weekend is, is nothing. You can make that up at no time, especially in the caliber of Justin Thomas, who by the way, hasn't finished and won in a very, very long time. Um, and, you know, Morikawa's right there. Another shot, a couple shots back. Adam Scott, Jordan Spieth, You mentioned the names. I mean, even the way he's playing, he keeps this up. He's winning this going away. And Young, Spieth, Scott, none of them are going to compete. Um, but you do have those guys back there that have won majors and have, have won tournaments before. And you look at the tr- the, the, the the four guys right behind them, and Thomas, Scott, Spieth, and Morikawa, there's some major champions who have won big events here. Uh, one guy I want to throw out there because you mentioned him a minute ago, and I picked him in our column at 50 to one. Maybe too far back, but I really do like Max Homers, defending champ. He's from LA, playing very, very well. Uh, the one under today wasn't great. Uh, it was kind of an up and down round, but he did show with the five under uh, on Thursday that he can compete here, and he's won here before. So I'm playing. I played him in the top 10 at four to one, and I played him to win the event at 50 to one. I'm hoping that he at least stays in the top 10. Uh, But, heck, there's a lot of good names up there. And the names that you didn't expect to see is Joaquin Neiman and Cameron Young. So credit to those two youngsters for being 16 and 14 under par on a really tough track.
2: I actually I played Cameron Young in a few DFS lineups. Wasn't expecting him to be this far up on the leaderboard. I was just hoping that he'd make the cut. So that's really paying off for me. Uh, Justin Thomas is at plus 330. Cameron Young is plus six fifty. Jordan Spieth is twelve to one. Morikawa is fifteen to one. A lot of people liked him coming into this tournament. Adam Scott, who loves this track, is sixteen to one. Uh, just to name a few, your uh, your Max Homa is one hundred to one. Uh, To win it. I mean, obviously a lot would have to happen in order for him to do that because of the, the huge lead that Neiman and Young have right now. But I think that there's some value there on Justin Thomas at plus 330. Don't you, David?
4: I do. I do think there's value there. I just worry that he hasn't really closed out tournaments in the last 18 months. And if I had to pick one of the guys that are floating back there behind Lehman and Young, and, and I expect Lehman to continue playing well because he's on fire, and, and, and Young would be the guy that I would pick to fall back tomorrow. Of the next four guys, all major champions, I would pick Adam Scott because the, the one thing that has held Adam Scott back in the past has been his putting. You know, you've seen him go time and time again changing his putting. You know, he went to the belly putter, then they banned it, then he had issues, then he had sort of a belly putter, and then they got in trouble for that as well. Whatever putter he's using now, and I know he changed again, he's been on fire with it. Here's a guy who you haven't seen much of because he hasn't played on the PGA Tour the last couple of months since, you know, since the end of last season. The way he's shooting, if his putter continues to work, there's a guy I think he can sneakily get up there and compete on Sunday. Um the reason to other about about Jordan Spieth and everybody loves betting on Spieth is he's not real good in these tight tracks, which is surprising. He's gone four, five under, and four under. But with Jordan, all it takes is one bad hole, one bad drive, one bad snowman. You know it's coming. <laughs> you just don't know what day it's coming. Uh, obviously, the way Jordan's playing right now, he can win the event, but then you saw him last week or two weeks ago with a lead on Sunday and, and give it back. So, I'm not willing to play him, but I do agree I think there's value on Thomas. I think there's value on Scott. At the end of the day, it, it, it's Joaquin Neiman's to lose. He keeps playing eight under par every day, blistering through this track. Then the 110 to be perfect on him. But if you are looking for people behind him, I would probably play Scott. But then again, I've gotten in trouble for playing Scott before, thinking that he's going to do it, and all of a sudden his putter disappears on him.
2: Uh, there's no matchups out right now, but, uh, and, and by the way, we've got less than three minutes left in the show. So, so very quickly, is there a guy out there that you feel you want not knowing exactly who that matchup is going to be against? Is there a guy out there that regardless you feel you're going to ride him over the weekend in regard to matchups?
4: Probably Cameron Smith. I liked what Cameron Smith's doing out there. was also another one of my plays this week on DFS um, and just trying to count through the leaderboard because they're obviously going to do matchups based on pairings. Uh, it looks like Cameron Smith will be matched up with Sebastian Munoz, and I mean my guesstimate is Smith will be in the 140-150 range, so I do like that one. Homa versus Leishman tomorrow, probably pick Homa. Um, Neiman will play with Young, Thomas will play with Scott. I'll probably get a plus money on Scott there, and then you know you have Speed, the Morikawa and Eileen Morikawa Just going down the leaderboard. This is none of this is confirmed. I'm just going based on what I see. Because usually Saturday and Sunday, they like to do the pairings. Assuming they're going out in twos, never know. It's usually based on weather and time. And last week with the Super Bowl, they went out on threes. Um, but th- those are some of the guys i would be looking at for tomorrow.
2: Fantastic. David, thank you. Appreciate you. Appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy your weekend, my friend.
4: Again, Again, have I- fun and uh, enjoy the NBA and, and the golf.
2: You got it, David Behrman joining us here on ninety eight point seven ESPN. Make sure you follow him on social media. He's always got uh, great plays when it comes to, uh, to to golf. That's for sure. Real quick, less than two minutes left in the show. I told you I'd get you some Daytona picks. For me, it's Hamlin at plus nine fifty. Um, you know he's uh, he's he's won it here three times. He's with Next Gen. That's his team, an elite team, and he's just he's masterful when it comes to racing at super speedways. Uh, he just gets the airflow and he manipulates his car better than most. So for me and keep in mind, it's Daytona. Anybody could win. Like this is really a crap shoot, but I am going to put some money on Hamlin at plus nine fifty. Also, um, Ryan Blaney at 10 to one. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's got three wins here as well. Um, and, and six, six top finishes, uh, here in his, uh, his tenure at Daytona. So Blaney at 10-1, Hamlin at 950, and also Mike Mack, McDowell over Justin Haley, uh, you know, uh, in, in regard to uh, that matchup. That's who I'm rolling with. Okay, uh, so you got some Daytona 500 plays. You just heard from David and myself in regard to the Genesis Invitational. I gave you a slew of NBA plays heading into this weekend with the three-point shooting contest, the dunk contest, as well as uh, Team LeBron minus five and a half. It's my favorite play. Some NFL futures bets. I think we've covered as much as we could uh, on a weekend like like this weekend. And again, my apologies. Richmond is getting destroyed by VCU. So. Hopefully the, picks, the other picks that we gave you throughout the show will help you win back that money. Anita Marks with you. I'm back tomorrow afternoon from noon to 3, right here on 98.7 ESPN.
1: This is The Weekend Wager with Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.